Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks get together to talk about God, and God followers get together to talk about geeky things. My name's Luke Navarro. And I'm being crushed by a mountain of magic cards. Interesting. Yeah, otherwise known as Mike Perna. Are we starting into a new hobby? No, we are reaping the benefits of having cards left over from an old one. Ah, <laughs> I see. We are uh, maybe preparing to sell them at a certain convention. We are hoping to pay for the Gen Con trip by selling my old magic cards, yes. Okay, I see how this goes. Uh, I, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past. That we, you know, there are advantages to being old gamers. You have all the stuff that new gamers want. Exactly. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> all of mine stuff of that uh, has disappeared somewhere in the halls of time. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe I need to find the room of requirement and they'll be in there. But, uh, yes, yeah, so all of my all of my Mox gems, all of my awesome original Alpha cards, gone! Like, you had Alphas! Gone, uh, but I could see. Uh, so you're getting prepped for your trip. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm doing all the the joys of making sure stuff happens the way it's supposed to. But this year, uh, as opposed to last year, where it was just like, "Hey, let's drive to Indianapolis." Yes, last year was a kind of a days. spur of the moment type of thing. This year has involved planning, and I have responsibilities, and I had to buy tickets for the events that I want to be at. And I have to start recruiting minions to sit at the booth, and I have to. They are the best kinds of minions. Oh, absolutely! I want three or four of those, just wandering yeah. around the house. I'm sure they do a little damage, but they'd probably be useful. It would be a net gain. I, I would think, think so. I do. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot more work this year than it was last year. I had a lot more freedom to just be able to do whatever. And it's not like I'm going to be working super right, hard it's this not, year. You're not digging ditches here. I'm still going to be at Gen Con. And it'll probably look a lot similar to what I did last year. But whereas last year I could just kind of, if I want to go mosey, I can mosey. If I want to be at the booth, I have to. I, I can be at the booth. This year I'll just have more, I will be at the booth at this time. And I will do this at this time. So, you won't believe this, but sitting around, I don't know, I think it was over the weekend or something, I was bored, so I'm just flipping through channels, and I saw on TV the Steampunk World's Fair. Yeah, you did. The Giant Robot. The Giant Robot. It's a there's a show called um, Shipping, Shipping Wars, Wars, and they... Uh, it's a, one of them lame reality TV competition-y kind of shows where they... They move stuff that's ridiculous. And yep. uh, in this case, it was like a giant 16-foot-tall steampunk robot that apparently was made out of, like, paper mache or something that couldn't get wet. <laughs> uh, um, and it was on the way to the Steampunk World's Fair. Uh, the World's Fair was shown in an entirely negative light. That, that's uh, what I heard. I didn't <laughs> see it. I didn't even go to the World's Fair this year. But basically what I heard was it was pretty much a look at all these nerds kind it, of it moment. It was more than that. It was like they're nerds and they're also, you know, they often on that show will portray the customers as really the the source of all problems. 
<laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you know, they, they were portrayed as kind of uppity and jerks and and uh, losers and everything negative. Uh, that uh, stereotype, you know, it's funny because you think about like geek is the new cool, right? Or nerd is the new chic or whatever. But it's like there always has to be somebody to fill that slot. It's like, oh, all right, we'll make it cosplayers then. They've got to be crazy, so they can be the losers now, or, or whatever. It's it's like our society needs to have somebody to put down. Uh, well, I actually I actually had a, a, a internet conversation with uh, the Geek Preacher about this. Uh, he posted up on Twitter, I think earlier this week or last week, I can't remember. But he posted up a comment, he goes, now that, you know, everything that got us, you know, called geeks and and made fun of when we were younger is now cool and normal. I don't know how to react in this world where geek is normal. And I couldn't help but respond to him by saying, dude, we're not normal. We're more accepted by the normals. I don't I don't know. I've had like friends that I would never think were geeky. Like randomly out of the blue be like, "Hey, do you play Warhammer?" Yeah, I have. Where's this coming from? You know, it's uh, folks that I, I just think because it's out there more, more people are finding out more, more people are seeing things that catch their interest. So I do think that I'm, you're right. Normal is too far, but it's becoming it's become way more accepted. But I think for me, it's more so. It's less about the stereotype of the stuff. Okay, these guys play board games, or these guys do role playing games, or these guys play Warhammer, or this video games, or whatever. It's not so much about the activity; it's about the personalities behind the activity. And you know, we all know that stereotype—the basement dweller—or you know, I think there's this this stereotype of geek girls there that are awkward, and you know, they have weird hobbies, and they, they no. The stereotype is they don't exist. No, I, I I think that there is a, a stereotypical geek girl, and they show her as super awkward, you know, unable to interact with other girls or other guys, you know, just this crazy uh, social malady that that is in this person, and uh, you know, so for me, it's it's not about oh hey you do this geeky thing. I have a problem with them saying, hey, okay, if you're a geek, you must fit this sort of sub-functional category, and we're going to try to put people in that, and definitely, that's how they were showing people on this show. Like, hey, you're too stupid to turn a nut, or whatever, you're just sub-functional. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that there's some kind of an inherent social-ism in there somewhere. Well, the, the particular thing that would be entertaining if that's the angle they went for is that they got the thing from Thomas Wilford, the guy who pretty much outfits all of steampunk. Well, and they, he, they made him seem like he didn't know what he was doing. See, that's ridiculous. Yeah. There's that, that man has built some of the most gorgeous... You know, when, when this goes live, I might have to just post a picture of some of the stuff that that man has made, both, like, gear-wise and... Like leather working wise, uh, it, that dude makes amazing, and yeah, I I didn't hear anything about it other than the fact that it made you know people who are into steampunk look super nerdy, and the, the thing is we are, but not that that's not a bad thing. 
That's it. Basically, means that steampunks are the dudes who build stuff and and design their own gear because no one else makes it. it I yeah, I have no tolerance for people who make reality TV anyway. So yeah, I hear you there. I hear you there. So let's turn to a better topic. Have we played any games this week? The only thing I've really played, I'm gearing up for some stuff. We're actually looking to. Uh, my Bible, my Bible study that we've been doing, kind of a young marrieds Bible study, which is kind of hilarious because that just over two years, two may, what have we reached? Maybe two and a third, if we want to break down the fractions of a, a you know of time. Uh, we are actually the longest running marriage in this. In this <laughs> oh, you're group. a veteran. <laughs> so we're we're we, clearly we know what we're doing, but we're actually looking to because it's the summer and. Summer scheduling yes, any kind of thing like this in the summer is ridiculous. So we're going to do a gaming thing, but that's happening this coming Sunday. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that because I wasn't the one who came up with Let's Play Games. So the fact that this was somebody else's idea is something that I want to foster. I will say that I did play Netrunner because I always play Netrunner. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to talk too much about playing Netrunner because I do that enough anyway. But uh, I did kind of just have a reflection on this the other day as I I was having just a really long week. Um, For those of you who don't know, at the time of this recording, you'll have noticed that the the content on the Inroads site has been light. And the reason being is because my wife's grandmother passed away on July 4th. Death always sucks, but this is the first family member that she's been really close with that that she's lost. And so it's particularly hit her hard, and so everything is turned up like crazy around here. So the whole week has just been a nightmare of this, that, and the other thing with emotions and schedules all going to crap. And you know what? It was so great Mm -hmm. just to be able to say, on Thursday, Kevin's coming over, and we're going to play like two or three hours of Netrunner. Like, just to have that, to get, just to know that we did it, you know, we did it last week, we'll do it again next week, we'll be playing Netrunner. It, it just, the simple joy of that was so amazing, just the regular act of gaming blew me away this week. <laughs> nice. So what about you, Luke? Uh, I only played a couple games, and I'm not sure if we talked about them on the show or not, um, so if we have, and we don't need to discuss them again... Uh, but the first game is called Robo Rally. It's an older game. Uh, I've never played Robo Rally, but I've heard I've heard mixed things depending on who you ask. You know what? That was actually the response of our group as well. There were people who were like this game is awesome, and there were people like this is this sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> um, so uh, Robo Rally is a game where you are playing. Uh, Robots in a arena, so to speak. Uh, and the arena is filled with walls, lasers, pits, um, treadmills. Lots of things that want to eat your your robot. Yeah, treadmills that'll move you and things like that. And the way the game plays out, we actually played with an awful lot of people. <laughs> I think I think we pretty much maxed out the board. Uh, but what happens is you are dealt a hand of cards. It's nine cards at the beginning of the game, but it can get reduced depending on how damaged 
you get as as you move forward. Uh, and out of those nine cards or whatever you happen to have that round, you're going to pick five that are... And each of the cards represents a movement. Maybe it's move forward one. Maybe it's turn right. Maybe it's move forward three. Maybe it's back up. There's a handful of these movements, a bunch of these. And uh, you have to place these cards face down uh, on a, your game mat uh, in order one through five. And so you are programming your movements ahead of time. Uh, the first movement is revealed by all players. Uh, there's a, uh, a value on the card that tells which of those movements happens first. And so as you can imagine, what ends up happening... Uh, I'm sorry. All of the players move, and then the board does its thing. There are spaces on the board that will do things like spin you or move you. Other things that can happen is if somebody hits you, they can shove you. And so there are lots of ways for your programmatic movement to get your plan of, to go the mice and men variety and go awry. <laughs> okay? Lots uh, of ways that people can ruin your day. So what happens is there's this sort of chaotic environment. You're trying to make programmatic decisions where and kind of guess where your other opponents are going to be. And so what happens is, and uh, you as you make these programs, once you get down to only one person left, because you're all making your program at the same time, that person gets a clock, and so they so there is a time limit on them in terms of how fast they need to decide what their plan's going to be. And basically, what happens is this game rewards people who can think faster than other people. And Which that's... I mean, if 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 you suffer from analysis paralysis, this game is your nightmare. Um, it's worse than that. <laughs> worse than th- how is it worse than uh, that? Okay, this is an extremely mathematic game. It's all about programmatic thinking. It's all about being able to project into the future where things are in a space using numbers. And the simple fact of the matter is some people are smarter than other people. And, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, what if you have somebody who's an artist and has incredible artistic skill, but their brain just isn't wired for math? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what, speaking personally, the first time I heard about Robo Rally, I go, oh, that's really neat. Robots in a battle arena and things are shooting at them. That's kind of awesome, right? And then somebody explained how you play, and I said, I never, ever, ever want to play this game. <laughs> yeah. So this game, it, to me, pushes the boundaries of what's, what's intellectual-ism, you know, bigotry <laughs> versus, you know, intelligence. Uh, it's not cool, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every game, you know, you need some intellect, you know, that's... One of the reasons why geeks like board games. Geeks tend to be on the smarter side of the scale. But this game in particular, you, you know, you might as well be calculating poker odds or something. You know, it's like how fast can your brain do the spatial reasoning? And when it comes down to it, that's all the game is about. Yeah, you get some randomness in the cards that you get, but it's the whole game. The whole mechanism of the game is how fast and how accurately can you do spatial reasoning? And to me, that's just not cool. That that's that's so exclusionary. That's so. 
it's a cool idea for a game, and I could definitely see the right group of people, you know, very chess playering, trying to uh, to to get each other, but in a mixed group, just really failed for me. Uh, you know, we had people who just driving off the edges of the board, uh, you know, just could not manage to to figure out how to direct themselves through this maze. And it was, it was, got to the point where it was almost awkward. Um, and it did get to the point where we all basically were saying, thank God this guy finally has won. Hmm. It's over. Um, so, you know, I don't normally pan games on this show. I normally don't even talk about them. If they're that, you know, if it was a game I disliked that much. Um, but this was not a game that I need to play again. It seems like very specific audience. And if that audience is you, that's fine. Enjoy it. I, I'll be elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, there you go. That, that's enough said about that one, I think. Uh, the other game uh, is King of Tokyo. And <laughs> I uh, don't know whether game. we've talked about it on the show or not. Um, if we have, that, that game warrants being talked about again. You know I what? love and, King of Tokyo so much. And I actually had a new experience with King of Tokyo this time. Did you play with one of the expansions? Well, I've played with the expansions before. What I did this time that was different was I played with eight people. And uh, so for those who don't know, King of Tokyo, uh, you are playing as kaiju, giant monsters. And uh, a la Godzilla, uh, the big thing in Rampage... Uh, uh, um, Mechazilla. A, a giant robot powered by a bunny. There you go. Um, there's a Kraken in there. Because uh, there always has to be a Kraken. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's a Yahtzee-style game where you were rolling dice to get victory points, energy, health, and do damage. The interesting dynamic in the game is that there is a board uh, with two spots in it. Uh, that represents Tokyo. One Tokyo is the city, the other is Tokyo Bay. Now, in, you play with, I think it's f- five or less people. Uh, mm-hmm. Tokyo Bay is meaningless. You just ignore it. It doesn't even exist. Right. And so what ends up happening is, if you do damage to... When you do damage, you are doing damage to whatever player is currently occupying Tokyo. And the monster in Tokyo, when they are doing damage, does damage to everybody. Everyone. <laughs> and so, it, there's a cost-benefit analysis that needs to happen to decide whether you want to be in Tokyo. So, being in Tokyo allows you to radically multiply your damage. There's also victory points that you get for staying in Tokyo for a certain amount of time. Now, uh, what playing with more than five people does is turns on Tokyo Bay, which you now have two monsters inside of Tokyo. So it changes the dynamic a little bit, so that when you're doing damage from the outside of Tokyo, you're now doing damage against two monsters, and now there are two monsters inside Tokyo who are doing damage against everybody. Um, I guess the one little thing I didn't mention was, when you are outside of Tokyo and you choose to do damage to the monsters inside of Tokyo, they have a choice after they take that damage of leaving Tokyo and forcing you in. Uh, that That's the game. Uh, 
there are you can use energy to buy some power ups. The power ups are very, I, th- I think, very good. Um, the way they design the power ups in this game, and uh, and then later in a later expansion, um, where uh, what's it? What are they, evolutions is what they're called. Um, that give you unique abilities that really do change the dynamics of the game really well. Uh, right, because because if you're just playing the base game, like right now I only own the base game, but I've played with the expansions. The base game, it doesn't matter who you are. One monster yeah, is the same as exactly any other monster. Yeah. With the expansions that came in later, each individual monster gets his own little evolution cards, and depending on how those evolution cards go, you get special powers and special right. abilities based on what monster you are. And there are, uh, even if you just have the base game, there are special abilities you can buy throughout the game, but you're right, everybody starts off as essentially yeah, the same generic monster. But, yeah, they're gen- the, they're generic. The power-ups are but, generic to anybody. But I guess what I was trying to say there is that the, both the power-ups and the evolution are really smartly made. Oh, yeah. So that they do cool things that give you actual tactical advantage in the game if you do the right things. <laughs> um, and so, for example, I didn't realize that a uh, one of the guys had a, an ability where he, when he did damage to the guy in Tokyo, he also did damage to everybody else. Right. And that ended up taking me out of the game. Which brings me to the only bad thing about King of Tokyo. Also, by the way, a bad thing about Robo Rally, but Robo Rally's got lots of bad things. And that <laughs> is, it's an elimination game. And we talked about this last episode. Um, yeah, but this was not nearly as as intense as Bang because it, a game of King of Tokyo at most will take you maybe a half, half hour. hour. This is true. Um, I did get worked really fast. Like two rounds in, <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, I happened to be in Tokyo, and the guy rolled five damage. What are you gonna Ouch. do? What are you gonna do? And uh, and because oh, that was another thing. Because you're playing with eight people, that's a lot more action before you get to your dice. Uh, oh yeah, and so that really does change the dynamic. A lot. So um, I enjoyed playing with uh, two two Tokyos, uh, Tokyo and Tokyo Bay. I enjoyed playing with uh, with eight people. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I have a blast with that game, and I'm really curious because I, I can't remember if I saw that it's actually being released at Gen Con or if they're just demoing it at Gen Con. But they're coming up with a new version of this game called King of New York. And there's actually going to be things like buildings that you can destroy, and all, there's going to be all sorts of new craziness in this game. It's not just going to be a reskin of, of the first game. So I'm really curious as to what that's like. I know that the the press release I saw said that they're going to be at Gen Con with it. I just don't know if it's for sale yet right, or if they're right. just demoing it. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it's a Richard Garfield game. And... and Richard Garfield makes awesome games. There you go. I mean, it's just that simple. Right. All right, man. So, we've talked board games, but we do have another conversation it's time to have. There's no way we couldn't talk about this. D&D and is free. It's really funny. Look, uh, 3 years later, we're still talking D&D. I know. Uh on our the first episode of our fourth year, we're uh, staying as the first episode of our first year. Um yeah. 
Now, we mentioned this a couple episodes back. We had a whole episode about it, that uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, well, Wizards of the Coast, was going to be releasing something called D&D Basic. And what that is, is essentially a, a, I was going to say starter version, but a simpler, streamlined version of the new D&D Next, D&D 5.0 rule set. And it is it is important to stress that we're not talking about the starter set they just came yes, out. Yes, I, I misspoke that, when I said starter. I shouldn't have said that. That's different. That is a thing that you can purchase. It has pre-made characters. It has a lot of pre-made stuff to it. So basically what you have is if you're interested in this new version of Dungeons & Dragons, you have three levels in which you can get to this. Not Actually, you can't get to the third level yet, but you will soon. You can use right. D&D Basic, which is free. And we'll give you, uh, we'll talk about what that gives you. You can get the D&D Starter Edition, which will give you a more, com- actually I think is it the same rules as D&D Basic, but it also comes with an adventure, right? Right, it's, it's the same rule set as D&D Basic, but it gives you some pre-made characters, it gives you a pre-made adventure that you can go through, and I believe it gives you some things like dice and right. some monsters and some other assorted So things. if you've never played before, it's a probably a good way to jump into the game. And then, of course, come Gen Con, you'll get be able to get the Player's Handbook, the Monster Manual, and the, the DM Handbook. No, they're, and they're, 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 they're staggering. They're staggering, they're, right. Uh, so players at Gen Con. Player's Handbook is coming out at Gen Con. I think by the end of this year, all three books will have yeah. come out. Which I don't think they've done in the past. I don't remember them doing that in the past. No, in the past they released all three because in the past, and this is going to be something that we're definitely going to have to talk about, in the past there's been no, here's your free stuff, now go and play. Well, well that's true. But in the I past, don't think that's why they're doing it. In the past it's literally been, here's the books you need. You need one of these, you need one yeah. of these, you need one of these. I don't think that's why they're doing it. I think they're staggering because they don't want to hear $150. Well, I think it's both and. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's, they don't want to hear <laughs> They don't want to hear people being like, well, they, three books for all this money, that sucks, man! Um, they, they've, they've said as much, and it's really funny because the same people who complain about how expensive they are, are the same people who every edition that's come out has been sitting at their local GameStop, waiting for the, the chance to buy the next set of books. Yeah, well. Uh, so, uh, D&D Basic is out. Uh, I've looked through it. Uh, you've read it. I've read it. Okay, so we're going to call you the expert on it, <laughs> at least That's for the, the sake of this show. Um, tell me what you think about D and D. What are we? What are we calling it? It's just D and D now. But what do you want to call I, it? Five point We can call it D and D five point D and D fifth edition. Yeah, fifth edition. There you go. I, I like that. Yeah, the whole idea of calling it next was silly. I knew they weren't going to stick with that. But for all intents and purposes, I'm going to call it 5th edition. There you go. And I got to tell you, with 4th edition, I was willing to write D&D off. I was willing to never play it again. I don't want to see this. If I play D&D again, it's going to be dusting off an old book. I will tell you, after reading through this... Now, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't come out yet. I don't know what they're going to do in the future. But this starting point, this little freebie... I think it's done exactly what we said when we first heard about this a couple episodes ago, 
we said this is what they need to get people back who were burned by 4th edition. I think they succeeded because I actually want to buy this book now. See, I think they should call it not... I think the reason why they're calling it just D&D is because it's D&D Reboot. It's it's the old school. This is like D&D 2.0. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like this is like advanced Dungeons and Dragons old red book. This is like as simple. Okay, now to be fair, these are a simplified version of the rules. So there could be all kinds of other stuff in there. But this to me streams down the gameplay to the basics. You got a stat, you got a roll, that's it. Right. I I I'm a huge fan. Like I'm you don't need to think fan. about like you got to shift, you got to move, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's just a thing. And here's what I think is cool about the the D&D basic. A ton of the stuff in this book, it's PDF, but whatever, is about nuancing your character. Well, they actually... This is something that I really like, because when 4th edition, you know, the last time I had a full-on gripe session about how I didn't like it, my big complaint was that, yes, you can build interesting characters, and yes, you can... But it was built for min-maxing. It was built for min-maxing. It was built for making your little mini go from this side of the map to this side of the map to hit that guy with as much force as possible, and that's all it was. Everything else you had to force into this game, because it wasn't there in and of itself. In this game, they're actually building mechanics that go into making your guy interesting. You are, and pardon me, I'm going to have to find myself editing a lot of sound out of this one because I'm going to be skipping through this document. But uh, they actually, I forget what they're called, and I'll get there Are you soon. talking about the trinkets? No, I'm, I, I like the trinkets Because that lot, table made me like this again. So while you're looking, I'll talk about the trinkets, okay? <laughs> that sounds like, a, sounds like a great plan. So this, uh, you know, whenever you created your character... In any role-playing system, of course, you come up with your stats and your race and your class and all of that. And one of the last things you do is you buy your equipment. And you get, you know, you get your ten gold pieces or whatever it is that you get in your system. And you got to buy your armor and you get yourself a basic weapon and you maybe buy one cool thing. Well, you know, I love D100 tables. Okay, <laughs> just like anything that's gonna get come on a D100 table makes me happy, and in one of the customization options in this is to roll, talk with your D, your DM, make sure that they're you know it's cool, but you get this D100 table of trinkets, and you know you would think oh, okay, well each of these are gonna have stats and stuff like that. No, no, they're just little piles of awesome story. So let me yep. read a couple of these to you. <laughs> you get a single caltrop made from bone. Yep, but just one of awesome. them. Awesome! Awesome! A tiny gnome-crafted music box that plays a song you dimly remember from your childhood. Yes! Okay? You roll on this chart, and it gives you something awesome that you can turn into a story. If you don't have a story for your character, you do now because you rolled on this D100 table of awesome. <laughs> and that's so cool, you know, that it's it's like, why in the world would they put this thing in except to say, D&D's about telling stories together again. 
and that makes me happy. Well, yeah, it's it's a whole list of items that have absolutely nothing to do with how hard you hit or how fast you cast a spell, or it doesn't give you anything. Nothing. Other than no stats this at is, all. This is a fun thing that I can do, right. and maybe if you're super convincing, your your DM will let you do something with it. But you'll really have to work hard because it doesn't fit naturally. <laughs> right. But I have I have found what I was looking for. Okay. Um. The personal characteristics. Alright. This is where I'm talking about it's built into the system that your character has weight other than than stat blocks. Uh, personality traits are... And, and this is not a list. This is not a pick two from this list, pick three from this list kind of thing. It's literally saying, pick two person- personality traits. I'm smart. I'm good looking. I'm... You know, I'm full of myself. You come up with personality traits that basically kind of make your person who he is. It kind of fills in the the gaps in conversations. And then you have ideals, which is the kind of stuff that your guy strives for. The kind of thing that... uh, Here, I'll actually read from the text. It's free. I can do this. Um, ideals might answer any of these questions. What are the principles that you will never betray? What would prompt you to make any sacrifice? What drives you to act and guides your goals and ambitions? These are questions that I make players ask themselves anyway, and it's built into the system. You know, and I I love that they're, they give you these archetypes. And now here's the thing, right? An experienced role player... Will do this anyway. They're going to do it anyway. That's fine. Let the experienced role player do whatever they want to do. But if you've never played, or if you you just you don't come up with characters as easily as everybody else, I'll tell you what, man. When I play my first one, I'm just gonna let the thing. I'm just gonna roll, man. It's, I'm, I'm gonna play with whatever what it, whatever it gives me. Uh, you know, which is maybe an even better challenge for advanced role players. You know, oh, like it, you've got to do what it says, even it, if some it, of the it, things are contradictory. You know. I will I will argue that the best way to really explore interesting storytelling in role playing games is to do what I refer to as Monty Python's coconuts. And I'm sure I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I can't help it. it I, I, I don't think so because I You'd have no idea Monty what Python's you're talking coconuts? about, and I would remember that. Yeah, in Monty Python: The Holy Grail, we all know one of the funniest things about it is the first time that you see the guys behind the knights clinking the the coconuts together you know to be the horses right the original script didn't have that okay the original script had them on horses but then when it came to actually film the movie the they basically said well crap that's going to cost a lot of money how about we do this instead the, the 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 thing that comes out when i say monty python's coconut is the fact that we can't have horses or you have a flaw, or this is a thing that you have. And you have to deal with what you have. You can't deal with what you don't have. You have to deal with what you have. Now make something good out of it. Because anybody can be perfect and wonderful and spectacular. That's boring. But if you give somebody a weird thing or a scar or... Of a flaw of like like the, in this particular city, this person is hated. You know, that's the kind of stuff 
that will force you into storytelling options that you wouldn't naturally go to, that you wouldn't ask upon yourself. And I love that these things are there. Flaws are built into this system. I'm so thankful because it, it's built into other systems, uh, point point by systems, especially things like Victoriana uh, and, and other kind of systems like that. Flaws are, are built into that system too. And I'm so glad that they're showing up in D&D. Because right now, you know, in fourth edition, everybody was superheroes. Everyone was perfect, and everyone was super powerful, and everyone was boring. Because it's the what is what I forget what movie I think it was Fight Club or something. When everyone's special, no one's special. And I like the fact that this is making people be special. All right, so I think we're agreed. We we like the character creation. It's not revolutionary by any means. In fact, but that's what makes it awesome. It's the exact same character creation. No, that's not true. Because you're not picking, you know, 17,000 different character skills. That's true. It's it's a really basic, you know, here's your, your stats. You got some stuff. But now, character is part of character creation. Right. And we both agree that's pretty cool. So, what about the game itself? The stuff I, that happens. Uh, how do you feel about that? I'm actually, I'm really kind of excited about it. Uh, as we kind of hinted at already, it looks like everything's a lot more streamlined. Uh, there's basic stats for everything. If you do a melee kind of attack, you're, bit, you're rolling on your strength. If you're doing a ranged kind of attack, you're rolling on your dexterity. And it's it just... It just seems really, really simple. I I will say that the magic, the way they cast spells, is kind of interesting because the whole concept is if I cast a spell, I'm not rolling on that magic. It's gonna hit you. You're rolling to see if you dodge it. And some people like that a lot, and some people apparently hate that. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. But the basically the whole concept is if you cast a spell, it's got... Provided, we've gone back, as far as spellcasting, we've gone back to the, the age of, you can only have so many spells, the spells have certain components, like a physical thing that you have to touch. I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. A word that you have to say, a gesture that you have to be able to do, and, you know, the 40 players are going nuts because oh, they never had to on. worry about that. But uh, me, I'm sitting there going, man, I love that. Because if every five seconds you're going to be nuking the world, I need you to actually be, have to like have some kind of thing that lets you do that. Like you can't just be like snap your fingers, everyone's dead. Well, and I think <laughs> I think that it also represents the fantasy a little bit better, right? Like I've never once in my life read a fantasy book where a spellcaster failed to cast his spell. Right. Yeah, you cast the spell. I mean, you can do it. That's. You know, it's different than shooting an arrow. Shooting an arrow, even the best, miss. It's just the way it is. Right. But when you cast a spell, you, you know how to do it and you've done it. Now, it might not have the effect that you want it to have, but that happens on the other side, not on your side. Right, and that's that's what this system does. There's defenses that uh, a target has to roll in order to get out of the way of an attack spell as opposed to the spell caster actually being able to do it. So that let me, happens. Let me kind of uh, encapsulate this like this, okay? 
to me, this feels old. It, it feels fe- like back in the day. It feels like role-playing back when. Now, uh, look, times change. Things move on. But here's the thing. So, if, if you go back through the history of D&D, you have Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, you know, second edition, which was fixes for the most part. Right. Third edition, 3.5. And what yeah. happened in third edition in 3.5 is, first off, it was that way for a long, long time. And so it just grew and grew and stuff, piled upon stuff upon stuff. And that, I mean, it was good in a way, and, and we enjoyed that. And, you know, Pathfinder still kind of has that vibe where you've got a whole <laughs> lot of choices. I had I heard somebody the other day joke that Pathfinder is D&D 3.75. There you go. And, uh, you know, everybody knew at the end of 3.5 it had grown too big. Right. It was over-complex. People joked that it was just about looking up things on charts. That's all you did when you played D&D. Oh my goodness, the charts. And so, I think 4 was an attempt at simplification. But what they simplified was the... They essentially, but to simplify, what they did was they removed character and made it about mechanics. This version of D&D, to me, seems like they've they've reduced mechanics dramatically, but made it about character. And, uh, you know... I'm not going to say they've eliminated mechanics, because of course they haven't. There's still a game there. But no, yeah, there's a, still dice, there's still did you hit the guy or didn't you. And uh, what I hope will happen now is they will make it about really cool places to play and adventures to have. Uh, and they have been focusing on adventures a lot lately. Uh, one thing, if you, if you've not been into D and D because you're just tired of four, and and, and that's fine, but one thing that they've been doing kind of quietly is re-releasing updated versions of very old adventures. Oh yeah, I I have the uh, the Tomb of Horrors. So do you really? <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> it was it was on it was on uh, Drive Through RPG. They were doing it for like free one day. They're like, it's only for this day, but if you go on right now, you can download it for free. I'm like, Tomb of Horrors? Heck yeah! <laughs> for friends that you don't really like that much. Uh, for people you want to punish. Yeah. Uh, but to me, I think they are intentionally deciding to be old school again. And to go back to that old school vibe. And and that excites me. Of course, I'm old. Well, even, even in the module that they're putting out, like... Some of them are are just random stuff I don't know much about, but one of the big thing, big ones they're pushing, features Tiamat, yep, the multi-headed dragon of awful, and it was really funny because I can say this this it was so giddy I I geeked out significantly when this happened. Mike Merle's one of, pretty much the D and D showrunner for Watsy right now, um, got on Twitter. And he made something along the lines of, hey, look, Tiamat's back. You know, what's going to happen now? And I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I responded. And I said, you know it would be really great? If in this module it's all just a bunch of the group running around avoiding fighting Tiamat, 
while this one-horned NPC just chases them down and this tiny little guy who always follows them would appear randomly and, and do deus ex machina. And he responded. Nice. He was like, he was like that'd be the world's greatest Rickroll. I'm like, <laughs> yes! Mike Merles talked to me for one moment. It was great. Oh, the internets. We do love you. But, yeah. So, I, I think we're both at least tentatively excited I, I, I've gone past tentatively. I really have. I'm actively excited about this now, which, you know, I never thought I would be. I, I did not think this was going to happen. But And I, before I go too much farther, I will say there is a caveat to it because I'm partly excited because the guys that I play with only want to play D&D and I'm really done with 4th edition. So if I can bring home a player's handbook and these guys will then play that with me, I'll be much happier. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I, I'm ex- I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good uh, run for D and think it's going to be about. Well, now let me ask you this: How do you feel about modules? I've always been about, about this. I I think we touched on it a couple times before, but it, I'll just make the definitive statement. I'm all for it as a stepping stone, as a launching pad. I'm all for it because it does a lot of the nuts and bolts. It takes care of the basics. But for me, I've always used them as a, this is the stuff from which I will build what we're actually going to do. So that's how I've always seen them, as just a toolbox that I'm pulling from. That's understandable, and I, and I get that. Um you know, for me, I think back to the days of, like, Dragon Magazine and Cobalt, and, you know, you, you open up the magazine and there'd be a module in it, you know? Right. And being super excited about that. One of the other issues with D&D is the DM. It, it requires a lot of investment on the part of the DM. And, you know, that's fine when it's summertime and you're 14 years old. <laughs> but it's a little tougher when you're 40. And right. I think having lots of cool modules designed by guys who are really, really good, it, you know, I think that's that's an interesting dynamic to the game. Uh, I play Pathfinder a lot, and there's this thing called the Pathfinder Adventure Society, which is essentially a ginormous pile of modules that you all play together and that you you keep track of and you grow and you get certain boons from playing certain adventures and things like that. Um, and you can go to a convention and there will be these, these games and they're kind of the games and everybody knows those are the games, right? There's, there's one called rise of the goblins that, that everybody loves playing because you get to play as a goblin and, uh, they're kind of, I don't know, in a way I love having these adventures that are unique, but I mean, I, I, I'm going to use the term. That seems like advanced Dungeons and Dragons to me. And this idea that there's these sets that you can buy for not too much money, you know, 20 bucks, and you can then have a game that you and your buddies can play over like five weeks or whatever is, is cool. Um, you know, and maybe the next one your buddy's going to be the DM. And it's a lot easier to switch off who's, who's leading that way, you don't end up having that one guy who's like, yeah, I've been DMing this campaign for four years, and I'm just going to kill them all because I'm sick and tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I I will say that there, 
it would not take an awful lot of work to take the old books and the old modules and update them for this system, from what I've seen. I, I, I think that's the plan. I think they've been kind of laying the groundworks to be able to do that, uh, and I would not would not uh, be surprised at all if we see that happen. So yeah, oddly enough, as much as I raged against it, I'm looking forward to D&D 5th Edition. Now, I do think this says something about life. Okay. Look, when you were a kid, well, I became a believer when I was... Uh, 16, maybe 17. Um, but there is that early moment of love and joy and just the, the feeling that the world has become brighter, that, that everything is going to be okay because you are now in a relationship with Jesus. And you are passionate about that relationship. And because you're passionate about that relationship, all you want to do, if you're me and have my personality, is dig into this knowledge as much as you possibly can. And so you start reading books, you start going to Bible studies, you go to the hardest, most advanced Bible studies you can find, you you just are into everything. And things get more complex. And things get more complex. And pretty soon, you're under all of this tension because your faith is this thing that is making your brain whirl at 50,000 miles an hour. And you know what? Eventually, you get to a point in your life where you have to say, you know, all those things are cool and they're fun to think about. But that's not what my faith is about. My faith is about Jesus. And we can make it simple again. Even though we know all the complexities there, we can make it simple again. And, you know, you can apply that to so many aspects of your life. You can apply that to your marriage. You know, you are joking earlier that you're the oldest of the, the young married group. You know, you're <laughs> two, two and a half friends. years. I'm 16 years in. You know, and it's the same kind of thing where, you know, as you are married longer, as you have more life experience, as you have kids, as you have bad things happen, all of these stressors can pile up on your marriage. And unless you can get to a point where you can say, yeah, there's all this stuff, but beneath that there is a love that we have for each other, you're in serious trouble. Right. You may say, I don't want to play fourth edition no more. But you got to get back to the basics. And... In everything we do, you know what, they talk about it in sports all the time, right? All these professional athletes, just Tiger Woods, putting, all the time putting. Focus on the fundamentals. Focus on the fundamentals, you know. Look, it's back to basics. Back to the thing that you love and that you're passionate about. And D&D's doing that for us right now. And I'm going to bet there's somebody listening to this show because you're probably a geek if you're listening to this show, and if you're a geek, you probably treat your relationship with Jesus a little bit like I do and get a little too involved in it. (laughs) There's probably somebody listening to this show who needs to get back to basics. And, you know, we just want to encourage you to do that. Go back to your love of Jesus. Go back to that moment where he set you free and gave you a new life. Back to those early times when 
you didn't have any idea what you were talking about or what you were doing, but you did have faith. And you knew that God was there with you. And you know what? You may have been a little bit more ignorant then, but you weren't any worse off. Well, I also think it's really kind of funny as, as you're as you're saying this. It reminds me of the, you know, we had we had the edition wars. I'm a first edition. I'm second edition. I'm three. I'm three point five. Forget fourth edition. You know, and then there are people who love fourth edition. The, you know, as much as you know, as much as I rage against it, there are people who love fourth edition and wonder why the heck we're going to this system with yeah, with the new one. They they do exist. And systematic theologians I, exist too, right? And I think I think here's what I'm getting at. I I completely agree that every once in a while you need to go back to the basics, but at the same point, that stuff, if viewed correctly, if if enjoyed the way it's supposed to be enjoyed, if that stuff brings you closer to God, because I know some people who 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 get downright giddy when they're just plowing through a systematic theology and plowing through this ancient doctrine that has been since the beginning of the church. And, and, and they love that. They thrive on it. And that stuff is still there. You know what? D&D First Edition, still there. Second, still there. Third, still there. You can still go back to that. You can still enjoy it. You can still be part of it. Heck, even as we trans- transition into 5th edition, 4th edition, still there. So if, if that's what you like, you can still go to that and still play that and still enjoy the heck out of that. But it's about going back to that foundation as to why you like that. This seems very Solomonic to me. I, I love the fact that you couldn't just say, like Solomon, you went Solomonic. <laughs> Continue. I, no, I, I just, uh, you know, Solomon, a uh, book of Ecclesiastes. I know nobody likes the book of Ecclesiastes but me. It's fine. But what... Ecclesiastes is fantastic. Uh, essentially what the argument of the book is, is I was this guy, and I got crazy involved, and I tried to think through everything, and there's a time for that. There's a moment when that's important. And maybe you're in that moment right now. But he says, there's also a moment... To just sit back, eat, drink, enjoy the wife of your youth. You know, uh, that what happens is we get stuck in a moment, U2 song, that we can't get out of. <laughs> and uh, what Solomon is saying, look, there's a time for everything. We evolve and change as humans. And at one point in our life, one thing is important to us. At another point in our life, we may see that differently and when we get toward the end of our life we'll probably see it a lot like we did at the beginning and all of those are natural and good and important and yes I'm talking about role playing games but the <laughs> fact of the matter is is that God wired us like this and smart marketers figured that out and you know react to it uh, but you know I think that this feeling I have about D&D and about this thing that was such an integral part of my childhood, my teen years, whatever you call that nowadays, and this, this longing I have to get back to that and experience it again, and this feeling, that the hope that 
you know, looking through these tables and thinking about creating characters gives to me about reconnecting with this this thing. And it's not about some kind of, you know, oh, what about the better days that were behind us and all that kind of thing. That's not what it's about. But this feeling of connecting with something that is deeply a part of me, it really does remind me of my faith. And those moments when I come back to that simple faith and say, you know what, I believe in Jesus. And it doesn't matter, you know, what's going on in my head, what's going on in my world. I believe in Jesus. And you get that feeling again. That sense of hope and life and energy. And, you know, I hope that we all get to experience that from time to time. Whether it's from your faith or whether it's seeing your girl again and remembering the first time you saw her. Or being in a worship service and remembering the first time you sung that song. The first time you worshipped God. And, you know, it's interesting that we talk about board games and role-playing games. And, you know, there's a lot of people who might say, we're just kids. (laughs) And, you know, hey, they're kind of right. And I think Jesus came along and said, hey, you know what? The way you experienced the world as a kid was an okay thing. And do it some more. I was like, yeah, he, yeah, he said pretty much do more of it. <laughs> Why did you stop? And, uh, you know, so I do think there is a good reason why playing games connects you with God and connects you with those feelings, those childlike feelings of wonder and awe and connectedness to the Creator. Oh, man, I think that'll do it. <laughs> it's de- definitely not your average this is what we think of D&D next yes I, I wonder if they'll put this review on the website I'm pretty sure not I don't think so no. <laughs> <laughs> so bad uh, let folks know how can they get connected with us I know we got some some cool stuff coming up we got a bunch of cool stuff coming up uh, the big thing is going to be go to inroadsministries.com slash contact there's all sorts of information on various emails uh you can find out uh, a couple clicks away you can find out about us and get our emails ways that you can get in touch with us we're on twitter we're on facebook we can go and definitely be part of our facebook community the tavern uh we have a bunch of people that are in the tavern now and i i love this because it's very very uh apropos of our conversation literally the top post right now besides one that i have that's pinned uh is brent brown Posted up, apparently he was part of a recorded playing of D&D 5th Edition, and he has posted a link in the tavern where you can go here. I think it's going to be serialized, I think they're putting putting it out in sections, so I don't know what, by the time this comes out, I don't know how much of that is out or whatever, but there's a link in the tavern for a playthrough of 5th Edition from Brent Brown, and that's just one of the cool things that you can find at the tavern. I absolutely love what's going on there so i mentioned twitter i mentioned uh we're gonna be at gen con we're gonna be at booth 160 at gen con come find me i i really 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 hope that somebody's gonna walk up to me and say hey i've been listening to you guys for a while i love the site i love what you're doing i would i would love it if i got to meet people that i've been talking with online i'd love it so definitely check us out at gen con let me know that you're going to be there uh maybe we'll end up playing 
something because I will probably be buying things. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. We have, we have lots of stuff uh, in the fire right now. We have an event coming up. If you really want to plan ahead um, in October, we're going to be doing Extra Life again where we're raising money for a local children's hospital. Uh, we are basically, to use a very old, very tired phrase, we are going to kick out the jams. And uh, pretty much anybody can sign up to be on our team. doesn't matter if you're going to be there in person or not. As long as you're playing and raising money, you're in. Um, if, if you want to start your own team, go to extra-life.org, uh, sign up a team, and send it to us at contact at uh, inroadsministries.com. I'm going to pretty much put together a page of all the Inroads-related teams so that people can support children's hospitals all over the country because I think that's genius. Yeah, I think that's all the most recent stuff. Kick out the jams? How long were you waiting waiting to (laughs) bust me on that? Kick out the jams? That's right, man. Hey, we just spent... An entire episode talking about how much we love all right, old D&D all right, all and right. magic cards. <laughs> okay, all give right, me folks. that. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, let us know if you're playing D and D Fifth Edition, D and D Next, D and D Basic, D and D Advanced, whatever it is that you're playing. D and D, the new one. Let us know. Uh, and as always, remember that no matter which edition you're playing. God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.